And mine are Sunday mornings at 9.15 a.m. and Monday mornings at 10 a.m. with a Zoom option. So if you haven't gotten involved in one of those yet, I just want you to know that you can still join. It is not too late, and we would absolutely love to have you take part in the discussion. Um, they have been so good for my soul so far, and I hope that they're also um, helping those who are attending. So just want to encourage you to do that. Um, today's topic, though, for our sermon is obedience. Now, obedience is one of those words that may conjure up images of some sort of heavy-handed, top-down kind of leader telling you what to do. You better obey or else. You know, the whole resistance is futile idea. Star Trek, anybody? Yeah, my dad was a total Star Trek nerd, and we watched all of those. But anyway, it's that idea that we get in, in our heads. So let's just make sure that we're all on the same page when we are talking about obedience. Here's the way I'm approaching it today. Obedience to Christ means forming our lives around his life and the truth that we find in Scripture. Now, last week we talked about the important role that spiritual formation practices play in the life of a disciple. These are habits that we willingly choose to engage in that open us up to the Spirit of God. And when we are open to the Spirit, that is when we can be formed by the Spirit. So we see that our spiritual formation is a cooperative effort between us and the Holy Spirit. We don't form ourselves, right? We, we cannot be like Christ in our own power. We can only become like Him through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, but the Holy Spirit can't form us into the image of Christ without our cooperation. Therefore, surrender, submission, obedience... All of those words that sometimes give us the shivers when we think about it, they are all postures that are essential to the life of the disciple. Now, we don't have to be fearful or resistant to those, to those ideas, surrender, submission, obedience. Why? Because we don't follow a cruel dictator. Right? We follow the God of, of grace who surrendered himself on our behalf so that we could be brought into the family of God. And that is the good news. That is the gospel news. And how is it that we know about that grace and love of God? How is it that we know what the saving activity of God has looked like throughout human history? How is it that we know what Christ did and what Christ taught? And where do we find the teachings that sustained the early Christians and their mission and commitment to live out a radical holiness? Well, we find it all in Scripture. Now, as we're talking about surrender and obedience and the importance of Scripture today, we want to keep in mind that we surrender our lives to Jesus, right? We surrender to to our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We don't surrender to a book, right? We surrender to Jesus, who, by the way, also practiced obedience um, when he placed himself under the authority of God, his Father. And so that's, that's a good thing for us to remember, that Christ isn't calling us to do anything that he hasn't already done himself, right? 
And not only did Jesus practice obedience, he read and studied scripture. Do you guys realize that? I mean, you know, if you read the Gospels at all, you see Jesus quoting Scripture a lot. He read, memorized, studied, understood the Scriptures. And so, as disciples of Jesus, as people who are saying, I will follow my Lord and do everything I can to become like Him, we are called to read and study and understand and live out the words of Scripture in our lives. Now... I really, really, really wish that I had time to go into the nitty-gritty details of how the Bible came together, what the Word of God is, and how we are to approach and understand it. But I just do not have the time to get into all that this morning. Some of you are like, phew, thank goodness. Um, But what I can do is I can recommend a couple of books for you, for anybody who is interested in, in going and, and discovering a little more about that. The first one is called The Last Word by N.T. Wright. Great book. And the second one is Making Sense of the Bible by Adam Hamilton. Y'all, there are way more books than these two. These are two I've read, okay? So I can, I can recommend them to you in confidence. Both books explore some questions that many people have about Scripture. I will say, though, that the N.T. Wright book is going to take you on a bit of a deeper dive. Anyone familiar with N.T. Wright? Okay, so you know, wham, he's going to go deep. Now, for an N.T. Wright book, it's only about that thick, so it's actually... He's, he's kind of brought some things into more concise terms than he usually does. Um, so he's going to take you a little deeper, but you can't go wrong with either of those books. Um, what I hope to do this morning is simply to remind us all of the important role Scripture plays in the life of a disciple and hopefully to encourage you and maybe even inspire you to read and study ask good questions, and meet God in his word. So our scripture passage this morning that Teddy so lovingly read for us uh, is from 2 Timothy. Um, And this was a letter that Paul wrote to encourage Timothy, a young pastor who was discipled by the apostle Paul. And at the very beginning of the passage that, that Teddy read for us, he said this, you heard it, you've observed my teaching my conduct, my aim in life, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my sufferings, right? He's saying to him, you've observed all of this. Now, if that is not, first of all, a picture of the discipleship relationship, I don't know what is, because Paul is saying to Timothy, you haven't just heard my teaching and learned some good theology. You've observed my life. You've witnessed me practicing my faith and being obedient to Christ, even in very extremely difficult circumstances. And and Paul is encouraging Timothy, as Timothy moves on to become a leader and a pastor and a teacher of a new community of faith, to continue in what he's learned from Paul. But Paul also reminds him to continue in what he has learned from his family, who have, who have taught him the faith since childhood. And in addition, what Paul says is he instructs Timothy to continue in what he's learned from Scripture, the sacred writings, 
he called them. Because, Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong with our lives. He says it corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what's right. He says God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. Now, you've probably heard that verse before. It's it's a pretty well-known verse. But what we often miss is the context. So if you back up to the beginning of chapter 3, you'll find that these instructions that Paul is giving to Timothy are situated at the end of a pretty grim picture that Paul paints of their current times. Okay? So in verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul says... You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, and let me just pause right there to say that that Paul considered the times they were currently in to be the last days, okay? So he's talking about now. (laughs) He's saying, Timothy, in the last days, people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. And y'all, this is the one that slams me over the head. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Paul goes on to say in in this passage that those are the kind of people who will oppose the truth and from those kinds of people, false teachers will arise who will prey on the vulnerable and teach a counterfeit faith. So why is Paul painting such a grim picture here for Timothy? Because he's teaching Timothy, remember? He's discipling him. He's mentoring him. He's saying, these are the challenges of ministry, Timothy. This is what you're up against. These are the mindsets and the practices of the world. And I want you to be aware of this so you don't succumb to the pressure of it all. So you don't compromise the truth. Continue in what you've learned. Teach others what you've learned. And trust that the Word of God contains everything needed for people to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, just like you did from studying and learning what the Word says. It has everything that we need to be formed into the people that God has called and created us to be. Now, we would be foolish to think that that description that Paul gives there in 2 Timothy 3 does not also describe our current times. Right? And so we all need to heed these words from Paul to Timothy as well. Okay? So how are we going to do this? How, how do we begin engaging Scripture and, and letting it form us? Well, let's just get really basic. Okay? I like just starting from the beginning with the basics. Read it. There's step one. Read it. Okay, too many of us think we know what Scripture says, but we're not reading it for ourselves. Okay? 
One of my mother's favorite stories from my childhood is from when I was about eight years old and my parents had given me a brand new Bible. And I don't know, when you're a kid and you get anything new, you know, you're just like, ooh, new thing. And I was so smitten with my new Bible. And my dad even um, bought me those little tabs that, that you can stick in there and that stick out so you can find the books of the Bible really easily. And so I was just in love with my new Bible, um, not really because of what it said inside, but because it was something new and I got to put stickers on it. But once I got it and I was so smitten with it, I started reading it. And I started with the Gospels. Perhaps my dad directed me there. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I started with the Gospel of Matthew because it's the first one, you know, eight years old, start at the beginning. And once I started reading it, I could not put it down. I, I was so taken with it. And I read the whole Gospel of Matthew pretty quickly. Well, one Sunday in church, I think it was during the season of Lent, my dad was preaching. And he was preaching about Jesus last week. And I was like, this sounds very familiar. I know what's going to happen. And I remember, I remember this very clearly. I leaned over to my mother and I whispered to her, I know what's going to happen. I've read the book. <laughs> and she cracked up, and I didn't know why she was laughing, because I was here like, have you read this? Like, do you, do you know what's going to happen? Because I do. So my question for you is, have you read the book? Have you read it? Are you reading it? If not, that is an easy thing to change, right? That is an easy first step. And listen, you don't have to be an expert scholar for the Holy Spirit to teach you through the reading of Scripture. But you do have to read it. Because if you don't read it, how will it get into you? Right? So in Ezekiel chapters 2 and 3, we read about this vision that the prophet Ezekiel had when God called him to speak to, to his people. Listen, they had been captured. They'd been carted off 500 miles away to Babylon. They were in exile. Jerusalem um, had been burned to the ground. The temple had been destroyed. These people were shell-shocked. They were broken. They were bitter. And they were rebellious. They were angry. They were all of those things that, that trauma and disaster will do to you, right? And so God calls Ezekiel to be the one to speak to these people in that situation. And in this vision, Ezekiel hears a voice. And the voice said that he wanted Ezekiel to eat what was given to him. And then Ezekiel sees this hand coming down. And in the hand was a scroll. And the voice said, eat this scroll and give its message to the people of Israel. And so Ezekiel says, so I opened my mouth. And when I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And then Ezekiel was obedient to the Lord and, and he went and, and he proclaimed that message to those people. And that word from the Lord was what gave the people the encouragement and the hope and the strength they needed to get through an extremely difficult time, right? And just like Ezekiel... God is asking us to take his word into us and let it fill us so that we can become the people the world needs us to be. You know, and I, I love the description 
that Ezekiel gives there. It tasted like honey in my mouth. It was sweet as honey. Sometimes I think we're, we're afraid to read Scripture because, I don't know, are we afraid it's angry at us, that God's mad at us and he's got angry words for us in there? God's word is sweet. It's as sweet as honey. Yes, it's convicting. Yes, it can be confrontational. Yes, it can be challenging. But it is nourishing for our souls. And if we don't eat it, if we don't read it, if we don't bring it into us, we cannot benefit from that nourishment. So on that note, inevitably as you read, you will encounter some difficult passages. And it is so tempting when we encounter difficult passages to just walk away from them, to ignore them altogether, or worse, to decide that we can't learn anything from them, okay, that they have nothing for us. A better approach than walking away, ignoring, turning a blind eye is to wrestle with them. Wrestle with those difficult, confrontational, challenging passages. So in the introduction to Making Sense of the Bible by Adam Hamilton, he writes this, I love the Bible. When I open its pages, I hear God speaking to me. Its story, particularly the story of Jesus, is the one story I hope will define my life. The Bible captures my deepest hopes and highest aspirations. He says, I love this book and I wrestle with it. I love it. I read it. I want it to define my life and I wrestle with it. And I I think that we need to hear that because if we think that Everything's just, you know, sunshine and roses in theirs, and, and we're not willing to just address and look at those difficult things. You know, again, we're not going to benefit from it. Did you know that the name Israel literally means wrestling with God or wrestles with God? Did you know that? That comes from um, a passage in Genesis 32, actually, of Jacob um, um, wrestling with God um, overnight. And, and so this man comes, and, and, and we suppose it's, it's, it's God, or it's an angel of God, but he represents God, right? And Jacob wrestles with this man, and he wouldn't let him go. And he says, I, the man is like, let me go. <laughs> and Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And, and seeing that he was not going to prevail over Jacob, uh, this man strikes his hip joint. It leaves Jacob with a limp. But then he blessed Jacob by changing his name to Israel. And what did that do for Jacob? It gave him a new identity to live into as one blessed by God. Because if you know Jacob's story at all, he was a scoundrel. He was a liar. He was a cheater. He was a deceiver. And that is what his name meant. Jacob means deceiver. So he gets this blessing of a name change. Now your wrestles with God. You are one who will not let go until you get the blessing that you're seeking. And I think that's a great picture for us. So can we be willing to wrestle with difficult passages, those challenging, convicting, I mean confrontational passages prayerfully and with the expectation that that God has a blessing for us through them and and what does wrestling with scripture look like 
right? Well, it looks like asking questions. So you encounter one of those passages and you're like, I don't get this. Ask a question. Then ask another question. And there's no dumb question. And you should ask hard questions. You should ask the questions you think maybe you're not supposed to ask. It's okay. Ask the questions. It, it, it looks like discussing difficult passages with, with teachers and others who are also seeking to understand. It means being willing to be transformed by what you learn through the wrestling. Right? Eugene Peterson said we are never more alive than when we are dealing with God. And there's a sense in which we aren't alive at all unless we're dealing with God. Wrestling with Scripture, those difficult passages, um, that is dealing with God. And that is letting God deal with us. You know, eating the Word is more than knowing. It is about the transformation of our lives. And I don't know about you, but in my experience, change and transformation has not always been comfortable. Anybody else find it always so easy? You got a habit, you got a way of thinking, and, and the Holy Spirit was like, Maybe we need to change that. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. But it is for our good, right, every time. And that's what obedience looks like. That is what obedience looks like. Forming your life around the life of Jesus and allowing the scriptures to guide and inform your behaviors. And I'm not talking about little temporary behavior modifications either. I'm talking about heart-level transformation, right? That is what the Holy Spirit is after. He doesn't want you to just change a little bit for a short time. He's after the transformation of your heart, right? And believe me, that is the way you want to live. That is the way you want to live. So let me just make one final note here. As you're reading Scripture as you're sticking with it through the difficult passages, as you're wrestling with it, as you're eating it and just taking it into it, it is really important that you have good teachers, you have mentors, and you can do that in community because we grow best in community. And sometimes we'll encounter things in Scripture and then we'll just think that we know what something means and, and maybe our interpretation is a little off. You know, maybe, maybe we need to be taught Maybe we need someone else who's wiser, who's more educated, who's further down the road in their life experience and their faith walk with Jesus to be a teacher. That is exactly what you see in the relationship between Paul and Timothy, right? Timothy didn't figure that all out by himself, right? He had, he had family members who raised him, who taught him the scriptures, and he had Paul who, whose life he witnessed, and Paul who taught him the, the understanding, the right understanding of what the scriptures mean. And we need that too. We're, we're not better than that. That's what we need, and that's how God has made us. So read the scriptures. Every single one of you, if you're not reading it, you can, you can change that like, like right now. You can pick up a Bible and start reading. You can change that one. Read the scriptures. Wrestle. Wrestle with the scriptures and apply them to your life. And that is how we become the new humanity that Christ has called us to be. Amen? 
Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you don't sugarcoat things for us. We thank you, Lord, that you are honest and loving and kind and that you tell us what we need to know and not always what we just want to hear. We are thankful for that, God, and we pray that that we would just surrender to your grace, surrender to your mercy, surrender to what you teach us, Lord, and how to live. And through that surrender and obedience, Lord, through our faithfulness, we pray that your Holy Spirit would do that good work in us. Lord, prevent us from being Christian in name only. Don't let us do it, Lord. We're better than that. We, we are, we are, you, Lord, are worthy of more than that. We don't want to be religious people who are dead inside. Don't let us be like that. Convict us, push us, challenge us to be transformed people, the new humanity that you intend us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, would you guys please stand with us and sing our closing hymn, number 117, O God, Our Help in Ages Past. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace today and forever.